0: Hey, Underground. We thick up in here today. That's what I like. I like thickness. I do. Have a seat. Oh, I see you guys over there. I see you. I see that hand. I do, I do. I see it already. Good morning. Um, My name is Keisha Polonio, and I always feel so honored to be able to share with you guys um, on a Sunday morning. Um, we have a very lengthy passage. I don't know why Lucas does this to me. Um, I'm like, yeah, four or five pa- you know, verses, that would be great. He gives me 38. And they, the, the whole 38 couldn't even fit on the paper. So we had to cut off some. Um, so what I want to do is just pray for us real quick. Um, and then I am going to give you some time to read this. And we're going to do things a little bit differently because we're a little packed today. We won't be able to do all the feedback, uh, but we will be able to uh, connect with each other, ask some questions, and then I'll jump in. Cool? All right, let me pray for us. Jesus, I am so glad that you rose with all power and all authority. God, you rose... For us, God, you rose and you are alive, and we praise you, we worship you, God. We invite you again into this place. Would you have your way in us? Would you have our way as we we dig into this passage, God? Would you have your way in our hearts as we're trying to figure out what you're saying, God? Would you have your way again? You are welcomed into this place, King of glory, You are welcomed into this place. In your name we pray, amen. Um, So go ahead, uh, take a couple of minutes. I'll give you a couple of minutes, not like the fake couple of minutes that they usually give you guys, because this is a lot. So I'll give you a couple of minutes, um, and then when you get done, just turn to someone and start discussing what stands out to you, uh, what questions you have, and then people can start still grab their seats and stuff like that. So I'll give you about three or four minutes. Is that enough time, okay, two more minutes, one and a half more minutes, 90 seconds. All right, take the next couple of minutes and just turn to someone next to you, maybe groups of two or three, and just discuss what stands out to you? Uh, What questions do you have? What things kind of like rise up in you as you start reading this passage? All right, let me jump in. You guys seem really talkative today and I really wish I was able to hear some of your feedback, to be able to hear some of the questions that came up in your discussion. Um, But the thing that I wanna start off with, the thing that I just felt like the Lord wanted me to remind you is that the Lord has something to say to you today not just your non-Christian friends that you brought. So just don't sit here the whole time praying that hopefully the Holy Spirit will do his little thing. Because the Lord has something for each and every one of us today, including myself. Because this has been the hardest passage I've ever had to write. On Tuesday, I was diagnosed with vertigo. And so I mean literally I got up Tuesday and I was like gangster leaning to the right. <clears throat> and so I still feel it a little bit. So if you see me kind of look like whoa it's because I feel dizzy. And I'm I'm distracted by that on Tuesday but I'm like you know the Lord is faithful he rose. I don't know if y'all knew that but he rose. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. And then I start reading the passage and the only thing I I felt like I I saw from the passage was like betrayal. But I'm like, yeah, of course, Judas, Uh, that's the first part, like sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. But what else, Lord, what else are you saying? I could not hear anything and it was like my own body was betraying me. I couldn't even type because every time I would look up and look down, I would feel dizzy. Just like, just like just now. Every time I would look up and look down, I would get dizzy, every time. My, my mind just felt foggy and I couldn't hear anything. I, I couldn't write two sentences without second guessing. Like, did that make sense? Am I making sense? and I would, would try to listen. Okay, Lord, what do you want to say to us? I am willing, I'm open, I, I'm fasting. I'm not fasting. I put on worship music. I, I have silence. I'm on my knees praying. I'm on my bed praying. I'm, on my, I'm standing praying. I'm like, Lord, say something, anything. Have you ever felt like that where you, where you are desperate to hear a word? but you can't hear anything. And, and I was reminded by my friend Melissa yesterday that it was Saturday, it was the day that I wondered if the disciples felt the same way after Jesus was crucified on the cross. I wonder if they felt disoriented. I wonder if they felt dizzy. I wonder if they were like, Lord, where are you? We can't hear you. We can't hear a thing. It is dark. The, the ground is quaking. Where are you, Lord? So I stood up. I, I, I stayed up all night. I had two and a half hours of sleep. Cause I'm like, Lord, you have something to say, right? You're not, you're really not gonna let me go up there and not have nothing to say. And I, I debated, you could ask Lucas, cause I, I was texting him at like 10 o'clock, like still it's 10:30, still Lucas, help me please. Do you want to do this? Are you sure? Did the Lord give you a word maybe? He has something to say. He has something to say. And and I just want us to enter into this this passage, this time together. Not me up here uh, presenting, but us together journeying through this passage. Because the only thing I heard The only thing that I know to be true is that the Lord said, start at the table. What happened at the table, start there. So before we could celebrate that Jesus was risen from the dead and before we can talk about him being crucified on the cross and before we can, we can talk about the ways that um, he, he journeyed through Gethsemane and his prayers and, and, and the deceits, before we could talk about any of that, we have to talk about what went down at the Last Supper. And in our passage, you guys already read, Jesus is at the table with his crew, with his friends, with his ride or dies. My husband hates when I say that, so I just say it every every often I get just to. But I mean, that's what they were. They had shared the last three years of life together. They had seen miracles and healings. They had learned stuff. They had grown in so many ways. And now they sit with Jesus, their teacher, their friend, the savior of the world, as they celebrate Passover. And this meal, this this Passover meal was to remember to remember the ways that God had delivered the Israelites from Egypt. But it was also to remember that God was going to send a Messiah. Not to just save the Israelites this time, but to save the entire world. And, and I don't know if they fully understood that that Messiah, the one that they were, were trying to remember around this table was already there. He had already come and now he was about to partake in his last meal. He was coming to take part partake in a, a, a meal with the world that was about to betray him. And We think about the resurrection and guys, there is no resurrection without the cross. And there is no need for the cross if there is no betrayal. So we have to start with betrayal because that's where our story begins. It begins in the beginning when God made the heavens and the earth. And you guys know my jam is Genesis, I love it. But he starts with creating the world and then he created Adam. And he's like, yep, hmm I did good. Let me, let me pull you to the side real quick, Adam, real quick. You're free to do whatever you want in this land, but that tree right there, that tree of knowledge between good and evil, don't eat from that. And I don't know, Adam was probably like, yeah, I got you, man. I'm, I'm busy over here with the, with the, the zebras and uh, the dinosaurs. I got you. <clears throat> and things were good. And then he created Eve and then things got really good. And they were released to rule and and live among the animals and, and to do their thing and they were killing it. But then something happened. They decided to eat that fruit that the Lord told them not to eat. They decided to chase after their own power to seek their own knowledge, and they betrayed the Lord, and death was upon them. And I mean, that was the beginning of mankind's legacy of betrayal against God and against each other. And this this story of betrayal just brings us back to the table where Jesus is with his most trusted friends, his 12, and he was eager to eat this meal with them to be filled with food and wine, but it ends in betrayal. Because the reality is tomorrow is coming. And for Jesus, tomorrow meant that his bloody body was going to be hanging from a cross and that that body was gonna be placed in a tomb because of the betrayal of those people around that table. Jesus invites betrayers to sit at his table. And and I just don't mean Judas. I mean the other 11 and I mean you and me. He invites all of us to sit at his table because Jesus already knows our hearts and the death that betrayal brings into our lives. So he invites us knowing that he would have to die. He invites us to sit knowing that our hearts will betray. If you knew that you were gonna die tomorrow, who would you invite to your table? I mean, what, what family members would you invite? Which friends would you call to come over? What, what neighbors and coworkers would you urge to come and sit at the table for your last meal? Who would those people be? And let's just be honest to yourself. Would you invite the people who betray you? Would you invite the people that hurt you, that stabbed you? I mean, would those people get that group text? I don't know about you, I heard a couple of people saying no and I'm with you. Because I wouldn't invite those people to celebrate my last day. I mean, for sure. For sure, I I know one person that I know for sure would not get an invite, and that is my middle school ex-best friend, Tanya. I had to put X in there. I mean, I, I grew up in Long Beach, California until I was 13 years old, and we would have to catch a city bus that they called the special to get to our school because there were no school buses that came into my neighborhood. And me and my friend Tanya and Monica, we were inseparable. I was the shy one. I kind of flew under the radar, but we together was everything. We would catch the bus together every day and the bus would be packed, of course, because it's a bus for everybody. And then all these middle schoolers that were going to Jefferson Middle High, And we would squeeze ourselves into this bus and somehow be able to communicate to each other um, as we stood up through our head nods and our eye rolls and our hand movements. We we knew each other. We knew how to communicate with each other even if we weren't using words. I knew their lives. I knew their stories. I knew their dreams and I knew their nightmares. And they knew mine. And we would go to middle school, and we we had all different classes. But lunch, we came back together. So literally, I mean, middle school is about scantrons, and number two pencils, and I don't know, getting grades. My son is here, getting grades uh, that are high, learning stuff. But it was also about our sisterhood. It was about um, the, the craziness that middle school was, and we knew that. So we would like literally hold our breaths until lunchtime and we would go to our table, because we had a table. Because they were kind of cooler than me, so I kind of like swooped in with them, so they were able to get their own table, so I had my own table too. And around this table, we would share answers to homework and we would eat each other's lunches and we would talk about boys. Now, I, had, I, I didn't have many boys to talk about because I don't know if I had like the do not disturb face, so a lot of boys didn't want to talk to me. <clears throat> Except for Mikey. He was the first boy to show some interest and they went crazy, so did I. He didn't go to our school. He lived in our neighborhood. And so every day they would come and they would just be like, okay, so what's the new update? What's happening? Because they found out that Mikey wanted to talk to me. That's that's what we said back then. I don't know what you guys said, but we we were talking. And that talking literally meant sitting on my step, not talking. (laughs) Just like, so, yeah. You have some sunflower seeds? Yeah, okay. But we were talking and that was a big deal. And so every day there was updates. Every day we would share life around this table. And I remember one day in my eighth grade middle school history class, I saw my friend Monica outside of my door. It was probably, we had like about 20 minutes left until lunchtime and she was outside like, And I'm like, okay, we got a connection on the bus, but we do not have a connection right now. And so I'm trying to understand what's happening, and my teacher realized something's happening outside. So he goes outside, he tells her, you know, go away, go to class. And so I'm like, something's about to go down. Something's about to go down. So as soon as that bell rang, I ran to the table, and she was standing there with another friend. And before I could even get to the table to ask what happened, she said, Tanya is dating Mikey. And my heart broke. That was the first time that I I felt the sting of betrayal. And I felt sorrow, and I felt agony, I felt frustration. I didn't fight, but I wanted to fight. I wanted to fight her, I wanted to fight him, I wanted to cry, I wanted, I wanted to yell all at the same time. And I remember that moment because I could, I, I, I remembered feeling the roots of hatred starting to make its home in my heart. Do you know what that feels like? I could feel myself begin to unravel, guys, and it was ugly because I wanted vengeance. I wanted her to hurt as much as I was hurting in that moment. And this is what betrayal does to us, right? It like shatters and it breaks and it wrecks and it dismantles our worlds around us and our hearts. And it doesn't matter how big or how small, how old you were or how young you were, it stays the same. Betrayal seeks to destroy and bring death. And I wish I could say that that was the first and the last time that I experienced betrayal, but it wasn't. I've had close friends turn on me, start spreading rumors about me, They would share lies intentionally to, to break relationship with me and the other people that I was in relationship with. I've, I've been a part of teams at, in, in workplaces where they were intentionally trying to get me fired. Has that ever happened to you? Intentionally undermining everything I did. To the point where no one would even talk to me on a team that i was supposed to be leading and i'll just be honest with you every time i face betrayal i build a wall and and these walls have become fortresses in my life to help protect me, to help, to help keep hurt out and deceit out. And these walls, they grow thick, but they're thin enough for the world not to see. So I can walk around and you not know, but trust me, it is there. And this wall, it, it isolates me from everyone. And to me, I feel like maybe that's better to stay hidden, to stay protected, That's how I deal with betrayal. I don't know how you deal with betrayal, but, but I see Jesus. And when he's faced with betrayal, he invites those same people at his table. We build walls in the face of betrayal, but Jesus, he has the audacity to set a table for a world that will betray him in two minutes. And he sees me and he's calling out to me from the outside of my walls because I have not just isolated myself to protect myself, but I've also isolated myself from him. And he knows that and he tears down my walls and he says, no, 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 let's set a table and you, Keisha, come and sit. And he tells me that and he fills this table with other people. Who are, who are hurt from betrayal, but who also betray. Because I'm not exempt from betrayal. I've done my dirt. I've hurt people time and time again. And I've seen their walls be built up because of the pain that I've inflicted on them. But Jesus sets a table and why does he do this? I think it's because he has more to say to us. He has more to say. Betrayal is not the end of our story. Triumph is, victory is, healing is, restoration is, resurrection to life is the end of our story, it's not betrayal. And he has more to say. He, has, oh, he always has more to say, always, always, but we are too busy to hear him. We are too protected to sense him right outside of our walls. He's calling to us, he's calling out to us, he is, he is yelling at some of us, will you hear him today? Because he has more to say. Even in the midst of betrayal, he has more to say. And I'll be honest, when I I read this story and this passage, and even when we think about Easter, when we think about betrayal, we think of one person. Who's that? Judas, the betrayer. One person we think about. I mean, but the reality is we are like Judas. We break trust and violate values. We hold dear to us for a temporary sense of power or joy or satisfaction. We do it all the time. We betray to have our own way. I don't know if that's good or not. That came like around 2 o'clock in the morning. And I just thought, I'm going to put that in there. We betray to have our own way. I like that. <clears throat> but, but we betray to get the things that we want, right? Like Judas had an issue with money. We know that. I think in John uh, 12, it talks about him being the keeper of the purse and him being able to, to kind of go in there and help himself. So when he was offered 30 pieces of silver to sell Jesus out, he did it because he loved money more than he loved Jesus. And maybe some of you in this room today, maybe you love something more than you love Jesus. You don't even think you love Jesus because you love these other things so much more. And so you live for the things that you desire that make you happy. You don't worry who you hurt who you sell out, and I wanna tell you that you have a seat at the table too. Other times, we can just be ignorant of our betrayal. And this one, this one I think is easy to miss because we can look at Judas and be like, well, obviously Judas the betrayer, like that's pretty clear. And then we look over here and we see Peter and we're like, well, of course, I mean, he thought he was all that, like pride gets in the way, like, you know, we would never do that. But if the best of us and the worst of us betray Jesus, where does that put you? We betray our hearts all the time by the words we say and the things we do and we don't do. This is the problem of intention because we have the intentions of doing something, but we don't. And that is an act of betrayal. Because I see the, the disciples get all caught up. Jesus just said, yo, somebody's about to betray me, my, their hands on the table, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh man, who is that? But real quick, who's going to be the best though? Who's going to get the gold, the, the, the gold medal? They talk about being the greatest while the greatest was in the room. And Jesus is like, it's not about what you talk about. It's actually about what you do. It's about who you serve. Do you get that? Have you ever, have you already missed that? I'm still here. I'm not even gone yet. I mean, And at times, maybe some of us, we can be like those disciples. We get caught up in those discussions and important matters. And we talk a good game. And we say a lot of stuff on social media. But what are we doing? Who are we serving? Who are we loving? Do our words match our hearts? or do our words betray it? And I wanna say to you too, you have a seat at the table. And maybe some of us, we think we're immune to betrayal cause you know what, we've been doing this for a hot minute this whole Christian thing. I'm talking to my Christians now. Especially some of us who have like grown up in the church and we've been doing this for a long time and and we think, you know what, we're mature. That, That struggle, those are for the people that are just coming to know Jesus. Who haven't fully surrendered their lives yet. But we'll walk with them, we'll disciple them. And we negate to hear the lord saying you the enemy is coming for you and 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 it's not on our passage here because we had to cut it out but but jesus tells peter like you're going to be sifted the enemy is asking the enemy is coming for you and i'm praying for you and and Peter's like, no, 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 man, I'm good. I'm going with you to the end. Don't, what, you know, we going to jail, I'm with you. We going to die, I'm with you. And Jesus is like, before, the, before the, the, the crow or the rooster or whatever, like makes his noise, you're going to deceive me three times. You're going to deny that you even know me three times. This is in the same day, guys. Jesus says, the enemy is coming for you. But I pray for you that you would be strengthened. Why? Because I need you to come back and strengthen the rest of them. And for you, Jesus has a seat at the table. I'll invite up the worship team. Jesus invites all to have a seat at his table. The aware, the ignorant, and the arrogant. He invites all of us at the table. And when we come, he he wants us to remember him he comes so we can know him so we can be face to face with him here he invites us to follow him to die so that he can be risen again and so that we can be risen again in him here at the table everything changes because Jesus is right across from us And when he's in our face, when we come face to face with Jesus, everything changes. Everything always changes when Jesus comes in the room. Everything always changes when he comes and sits at your table. Here we are free to place everything on the table. our pains, our failures, our betrayals, our hatred, our walls, our abuse, our addiction, our mess ups, everything, everything is free to come on his table. Because with love, knowing everything that we have done, looking at everything that we've spread on the table He goes to the cross to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He carries the weight of every betrayal that we've ever encountered as he surrendered his life on the cross to reconcile humanity to God. He does this for us. What I realized this morning at 8.30 when I finally finished this is that I don't have anything amazing to tell you. The only thing that I felt like I needed to remind you is that you are welcomed at His table. That there is a place for you, that there has always been a place for you, that your name marks your spot. will you come? Will you come and be with him? Because he will never betray you. You can trust that. You can trust that you can live a life without walls. Will you come and take a seat will you come confessing all the things that you have done will you come and remember that jesus accepted the ultimate betrayal to die on the cross for you come and receive freedom come where you belong where you've always belonged Come and celebrate the fact that he died, but yes, he rose again and he is coming back. Come. Come and celebrate that the grave is empty. The grave is empty because he rose again. And so our sins are forgiven. Our betrayals are forgiven. Our heartaches, our brokenness, they are mended at his table. Will you come? In a moment, I am going to invite everybody to respond to Jesus. I'm going to invite all of us to come and have the Last Supper at his table. Will you guys bow your heads with me as we remember the table? as we remember a God who was willing to sacrifice his life for us. And I I just wanna take a moment right now to let you know that he is here. And if this is your first time coming to the table, if you hear the invitation of the Lord to come, I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to him today. So in this moment, just between you and the Lord right now, surrender your life, surrender your pains, surrender your betrayals and your dreams and your hopes and accept the invitation from the Lord. accept the lord to be your savior come and have a seat at his table today others of you you have built up walls because of the pains of your past and i also want you to know that the lord is here and he sees you and he wants to tear down your walls will you come And lastly, I want to talk to the Peters in the rooms. I want to invite you to come and be strengthened so that you can go back into the places that the Lord has called you to. Come and be strengthened so you can go and strengthen the world around you. I invite all of you to come to the table, to meet the Lord here, to meet the resurrected King here, the one who loves you and knows you and knows your past, but who has died for all of that. He died for all of that to give you life. Will you come to to the table this morning? And if this is your first time, if this is your first time saying yes to that invitation to come to the Lord's table, I want to take a moment to remember it. So I want to invite you to come to the front. And everybody can come to the front. But at the front, there is a nail. There's a nail for you to take with you, to, to mark this moment. To mark this moment that, that you surrendered your life, your, your betrayals, that you nailed it on the cross, and that you are forgiven. So as you dip your bread and as you you take the wine, would you also pick up a nail? And let that be a reminder of this day, of this Easter morning. To do a thing, but come. He's waiting. He is calling. Will you respond to his invitation today? The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. Then after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord is here. He's always been here, ready and waiting, inviting and calling out loving and dying on a cross for you. So when you're ready, come and celebrate our King, the body and the blood of Jesus given for you.